Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cinema Nerd Presents Made in the 90s. My name is Kyle Woods. I'm here with my buddy Dylan Shore, and we are going to talk about one false move. Dylan, have you ever made any false moves? Sure, I made plenty. Fucking <laughs> back when I was a kid, absolutely. Who didn't? And even today, everyone still makes false moves. Hey, if, if you don't think you're making false moves, you're not growing, buddy. You got to keep working on it. <laughs> that is very true. Um, before we talk about actualization, self or otherwise, should we talk about some pieces of cinema? What else are you watching? Let's see. I have a bunch of rewatches and one new thing. Let's see. Uh, we'll do the rewatches first. Dirty Dozen. Fucking, I love it. Great cast. I really like John Cassavetes and Charles Bronson in it. Lee Marvin's great too. Lee Mar, <laughs> yeah. Um, my primary memory of Lee Marvin is the Paint Your Wagon parody from The Simpsons. Oh, I don't. I don't know that. <laughs> I'm gonna paint your wagon. I'm gonna paint it good, or however that goes. <laughs> uh, just uh. But you have you seen Dirty Dozen? I have. I re- that's Peckinpah, right? No, it's um. Oh, I'm blanking on the director. Fuck. Um. Uh. Yeah, I don't have it off the top of my head. Hold on. It's right here. Okay. Well, you tell me what you're thinking about, and I will look it up. It is Robert Aldrich. Oh, okay. So. Yes. So. I have uh, seen it. I like. I I liked it. I, I you know. Uh, he's made uh, Whatever Happened to Baby Jane. That's oh. the other big one. And the original Longest Yard, I think. Whatever happened to Baby Jane? I don't know, man. I don't Which, either, because I've never seen that film. I've only seen pieces of it. That, that was one they screened at LACC, but never showed us the whole movie. They just showed us scenes of it. Bastards. I hate when they did that. I like it. I'm actually, I have it paused here. Well, it's not quite the same thing, but I'm re-watching Los Angeles Plays itself. And Oh, so good. I, I've been wanting to rewatch that too. It's incredible. It, it, it is 20 years old, basically, at this point. But crazy. Yeah, it's, it's wild. It's in 4-3. It's like a, you know, not a, it, whatever. Uh, but I like a little bit of a clip show. So, you know. But, I, but if I've never seen the movie, I don't just want to watch a scene. I want to see the whole thing. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. There's, I, I don't know. I'm, my, pop, my tastes tend to lean more populist. And so I will, this conversation comes up a lot with my uh, long suffering, my wife. No, my my loving and sweet wife, when we're talking about uh, the goings-on in our life, is I'll watch sometimes a classic movie and I'll get around to it and be like, hey, it's fucking great. You should totally watch it. It's really, really entertaining. And sometimes I'll watch a classic movie and she'll ask me, what do I think? And I'll be like, yeah, it's you know that one moment that everybody knows. That's the reason that you should watch this movie and the rest of it. Really, we can skip past. Honestly, I get it. I could see that for what? What about Baby Jane too? I, I couldn't tell you. <laughs> or what? What happened to Baby Jane? Uh, okay, and then I rewatched Mike Mills's Beginners. Okay. With, uh, Ewan McGregor, Melanie Laurent, and Christopher Plummer. Right. I think it's my favorite Mike Mills movie. It's so good. All right. Yep. I'll have to put that one on the list. Definitely. It's told so uniquely. Bunch of intricate flashbacks and uh, the meet cute between Ewan McGregor and Melanie Laurent is so good. Okay. It's fucking great. It's at a Halloween party. He's dressed as Freud and he's like giving people at this party, you know, just like random therapy sessions and she comes and lays down and she i can't remember who her character is but she doesn't speak and uh uh, she writes down everything so they just have like this whole very long scene that that continues throughout the night so it's many scenes of her not talking and just like it's so good all right right, yeah yeah, give it a go 
Uh, let's see. And then I rewatched all the Final Destinations. <laughs> Good work. Yes. Uh, obviously, love the first one. It's it's like nostalgic. 1999, I feel it. Or 2000, it's 2000. But uh, two is a lot of fun. Has some good kills in it. The third one, though, has the best actor in all of them. Mary Elizabeth Winstead fucking crushes her scenes. Right. She is so good. She actually gives a performance, unlike any of the other actors in any of the movies. So I don't know about that. Uh uh-huh. I just rewatched them. Everyone in the first one is super cheesy and melodramatic. Same with the second one. And the third one, she like actually takes it super seriously and is giving like crazy good beats in it. She's very, very good. And she's good enough to take a movie and make it her movie. But that might be... in any other actor's hands what you're describing they're like no 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 that's that's a problem don't take it seriously this is a movie where like you get hung on the shower curtain because you slipped on the soap after you plugged in the hair but that's what that's what i mean like it those first ones are like super melodramatic they have this like super seriousness that hangs over the that hangs over the first one at least the second one's more uh even more campier but like the first one's taken like super seriously and tries to be like a legit psychological thriller horror movie, but it's just filled with the cheesiest of writing and acting. Well, we ran into this with like, uh, was it the skulls and like some of the, I don't know what you did last summer. Uh, and like I'll give the <laughs> final destination is a much better presentation of a movie than the skulls. It's like 2000 era, <laughs> but like, thriller movies but my point is that they're (laughs) go ahead the thing that they have in common is that they're all really dour and sort of like yeah yes you're very right that's the perfect word for it so the final destination movie the first one having that tone yeah it's been a while since i've seen them but my memory is like most of them are pretty good there's one that i kind of don't love and maybe the fourth one's not good okay is that what it is yeah, that's the NASCAR one. Uh, okay. Really dumb. But the fifth one, like the that director, the fifth one was like trying to do something cool with his directing. And a lot of shots are great. It's just, uh, it's obviously, it's just so formulaically the same as all of them. And the acting's not that great. But the two things I like about the fifth one is that it's got some brutal deaths. It has the worst one, in my opinion, that like, oh, it like fucking makes my body ache. And it's a gymnast that like all this shit happens, like that causes her to like swing off of one of those bar things. And her whole, you watch it all in a white shot and her body just comes down and like fucking caves in and splits. And it's just like, oh my God, it hurts. (laughs) But the, uh, the second thing I like about the fifth one is they it's super cheesy and obviously not that original but they it is technically the first one it ends with the those main characters getting on the plane from the first movie (laughs) right yeah yeah (laughs) yeah i do i love those movies man they're fun they're They're fun blast uh and then i watched inside lewin davis I think better with every watch. What a fucking unique look at a certain time before Bob Dylan came into the folk scene. Fucking brilliant. Yeah, and it is like <laughs> saying so much about the specific art form. It's saying as much about music as it is about movies, as it is about creation in general, and the struggles of like self sabotage. And what's is it the Dunning-Kruger effect is that the right one where it's like dumb people tend to overestimate their ability to succeed and because of that they often succeed and smart people question the realities that they encounter so they're not so able to progress in the world often and I just as I, I don't know. I, the Coens are maybe my favorite filmmakers and that's, 
they're so damn good on on a on a day that might be my favorite of theirs you know it's really excellent excellent film (laughs) and then the last thing i watched was uh a new thing that's on disney plus that is uh, a documentary about the uh the thai soccer team that got trapped in the cave for like oh sure jesus i don't mean to laugh at their struggle yeah i the thing no i'm sorry what i was like legitimately what i was laughing at (laughs) is that i was like Oh yeah, you know the guy that like those the dudes that Elon Musk was making fun of for the scuba diver be whatever. I'm not going there. I just was like, what a wild time in our history. Those incredible. So okay, how was the movie? The documentary is fantastic because it, it's a lot of the footage was was shot during the rescue. It's called the rescue, okay. and just the amounts of teams that like had to come in and it all eventually relied on hobbyists like cave cave diving hobbyists who are really good at this because the thai navy they like they can scuba dive but they've never done it in a fucking cave well because so, this kind of like cave diving sorry to interrupt you but it's like I don't know. It, it's it, literally it's the descent you know yeah. what i mean it's horrifying even without the monsters coming at you and yes. there's six people in the world that can do this at a very high level. And so, they, I think it's like seven and they get them all. Yeah. To come. <laughs> oh they, my God. And like just the whole rescue point and what they end up having to do. Do you know what they had to do to get I, the kids out? I was, didn't they like give them, they had to drug the kids, right? Yeah. So that they, they could put, anesthetic mask. put the mask on. I, I remember it, hearing the reason. hour swim. Dude, the reason I remember that detail is because so there was like a graphic at one point of what they had to do. And my immediate response was like, oh, well, I would just die. And I would be the reason that everybody else died because they would take me through that first tunnel. And I'd be like, no, fuck this. Ah." That's why they did the anesthetic, because when they rescued four workers that got trapped in there, adults, uh, no one knew these four guys were missing. And when they were swimming just to see if they could find the boys they found these four random guys and they uh they took one out uh and this guy started freaking out within 30 seconds and they were like what the fuck are we gonna get kids out of here uh i good news that there are powerful drugs for these type of situations because and it just so happened that one of the the Cave, the hobbyist cave divers was an anesthesiologist and the cave the main cave diver who came to the place at first was like i gotta call up my friend i need to ask him this and he's like how do you feel about anis- putting these kids under anesthesia uh, anesthesia and swimming two and a half hours and he's like that sounds like suicide like that sounds terrible yeah. that's not a good idea we'll kill these kids but then that literally became the only other option or these boys would die. So it's like either they die tr- for us trying to get right. them out or they just die in the cave. Yeah, gotta try living. Mm-hmm. And Jesus fucking ant works. Oh my, yeah, <laughs> that's... Documentary. It's really good. Well, that's the end of this episode. I'm going to go have a panic attack in the corner <laughs> now. Jesus Christ. I'm never going to watch that movie. I'm sure it's excellent. Good God um okay how about you what'd you watch oh okay what did i watch (laughs) nothing nearly so exciting i gotta be honest my list is a lot of like oh okay no i do have one highlight i i got two okay so uh saving mr banks that's not the highlight okay (laughs) but i didn't hate it i uh i hated a lot of it but i also loved a lot of it you know what i mean it's one of those right there with you yeah right there with you emma thompson can cry better than almost anybody in cinema history mm-hmm. and yeah whatever it's not great but it's so like full of talent that it's sort of like ah, you know that's that's, cool. <laughs> that's my review of saving mr banks um similarly she devil <clears throat> Have you seen that one? Yeah, Yeah. it's Meryl Streep and Roseanne Barr from the late 80s. Okay. (laughs) 
and Roseanne bars the she that I don't even want to talk about it. It's terrible. Like legitimately, it, it it's you know they that doesn't you, sound like a good pairing either. Um, they're not the problem with that movie actually, and they're they don't have a ton of scenes together because it's like Meryl Streep is the um. Uh, Shix is the only word in my brain right now. I'm sorry, but like she, you know, is the mistress that like tears away the person, you know, that tempts away the the person from um, Roseanne Barr. And so I don't know if they have more than a f- couple of scenes together, but both of their performances are fine. It's just a yeah. I'm actually looking at the poster. I'm like, oh, I see why this got made. Yeah, yeah. The, it looks like an '80s rom com. Right. I just told you everything about it. And yeah. it's um, William, uh, no, sorry, Bagley, Jeff Bagley, William Bagley, Ed what's Bagley. the guy's name? Ed Bagley. <laughs> He's got some name like Glyph or Beb. Ed <laughs> you know? Bagley. There it is, Ed. So uh, um, it's nah, is kind of what I have for that one. And I'll circle back around to the highlight and uh, go to seven pounds, which I is still not the highlight. I did not enjoy that movie at all. Now, that's a melodramatic movie, man. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just like a sad sack, fucking cry. Bait. It's a lifetime movie. Yeah, yeah, right. It's like a lifetime movie. If it was oh, yeah, yeah. lensed it, by, I, I remember the first time in theaters and I was like hmm I don't know how I feel about this and then I had some friends that were like let's go see seven pounds I'm like I've already seen it but I'll go again and I remember sitting there in that second time I'm like this is not a good movie I did not enjoy (laughs) my experience with that film at all uh that's not one of the better Will Smith movies (laughs) nope that's a fair statement yep so this is the highlight you want to talk about a good movie are you ready yes first time for me i caught up with broadcast news uh fucking james l brooks one of the good ones yeah as good as it gets is great man as good as it gets is as good as it gets at that point in time what was that one sorry I said he's also responsible for the Mary Tyler Moore show. And Taxi and The Simpsons. And I mean, yeah, he's, yeah. Broadcast news, I, you know what? So speaking of television, I probably would have liked it better as a TV show. If he'd pitched that as a pilot, especially today, instead of the morning show, if we got James L. Brooks's, not James L. Brooks's, but like, um, Oh, who's the dude who did Death of Stalin and like, um, the, you know, Veep and... Um, I can't remember the guy's name. Yeah, I know who you're talking about though. But if we could get that guy's version of broadcast news today instead of like Sorkin Sports Night or whatever dribble. Anyways, I broadcast news I liked a lot. And brought up sport or the, what was it Sports Night? That sports one Night, show? yeah. <laughs> That show. Forgot all about that show. <laughs> low key, that's Sorkin's best show. Huh. Let me tell you why. This is now a Sports Nights podcast. Are you ready? Because it's self important in the way that TV is self important. And like the West Wing captures a lot of that energy because politics is very self important. But guess what? Politics is fucking important. And movies are dumb and they're entertainment. And like, I, you know, art is important. But TV is a method of putting commercials into people's faces. Yes, yeah, totally. Not a good thing for us. And probably our world would be better if we didn't have it. But everybody that works in TV, and I'm one of these people, takes it so goddamn fucking seriously every single day. And it's like the best line that's ever been on TV about TV is Alec Baldwin on 30 Rock going, relax, kiddos you make filler in between car commercials or whatever he says to Tina Fey. Like that's what's actually happening here. And yet every single TV job I've had 
is some red-faced maniac being like, if we don't get the fucking pockets up. <laughs> so like Sports Night captures the mania of that environment and the self-importantness of that environment. And then also is Sorkin-y, you know, in the mm-hmm. way that Sorkin's self-important. So it's like a confluence of, of, of a mishmash of a thing that I think actually works really well in a way that a lot of his other stuff does not work so much. Anyways, broadcast news is I enjoyable. It's super watchable. I liked it a lot. I'm not as high on it as a lot of people seem to be. My running theme here is that Holly Hunter just makes everything good. She's the, Albert Brooks is really good in that movie too, though. He's there's nobody bad in that movie, and there's yeah. nothing bad about that movie. It it. <laughs> this is a wild comparison but it kind of reminded me of is it dragon heart right the dennis quaid I, okay no, no, no. that's hear, a crazy comparison hear me out because broadcast is not a, chi- a child movie trying to be an action movie and yet both of those movies have a scene where like somebody slides on their knees way too far in a way that just like doesn't make sense and all of a sudden it heightens the reality in this like slapstick looney tune kind of way and broadcast news has at least one of those moments with joan cusack whose hair is legendary and it was the 80s i even for the 80s she's impressing me and so (laughs) i love joan cusack she looks great it my point is that like it hits these extremes of tone and manages to balance them in a way that very few creators can manage. And then beyond that, when I'm thinking about it and looking back at it, I'm just sort of like, yeah, but man, eh, I, 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 it. It, the sort of like news stuff of it, but the personal drama, the sort of, yeah, the interpersonal relationship stuff is at par excellence. I mean, chef's kiss. Mwah. Mwah. Really, really good. So that's what I got. Should we talk about one false move? We should. Dylan, I have a question for you. Do it. Can you name any single other? We're going to start with trivia. Ooh, mixing it up. Can you name uh, any single other IRS media production? No, I, sir. I, this shingle came up and I was like, what is Dylan doing to me? <laughs> and then it also, it starts from IRS media. And then the, the second card is like IRS distribution or some yeah. shit like that. <laughs> and then the third card is, it's an IRS media production of a Carl Franklin film. Uh-huh. This was like Carl Franklin's first big movie that got like a lot of attention, but it didn't like, it, it was supposed to go straight to video. And then like, it got so many good critic reviews and Gene Siskel put it on as like top of the year. And therefore it got released in theaters. Released in theaters makes sense. Gene Siskel putting, I, I, I'm not a, a surveyor of the works of Gene Siskel, but top of the year list. For 1992. I, I mean, I'd have to look back over 1992, but that I seems like, like a bananas take, man. There's, yeah, I like this. I like the what's the right way to say this i like the plot elements of the story but the script is done so cheesily uh is that even a word yes cheesily (laughs) is a word it's uh Uh, one that everybody knows and uses regularly and the fact that billy bob wrote this along with someone else uh, billy bob and some guy is one of my billy bob and some guy it's right here uh blanking on his name it what feels uh, really, really 90s in that Everton. way. It feels so 90s. Oh, this guy wrote The Gift. To that exact point, it, also, Billy Bob was married to... Well, it's not Candy. Sorry, I don't have... Oh, Cinda. Sorry, Cinda. Cinda Williams. So, like, 
in the time that this movie was written didn't know that. and filmed and released was the very short period of time wherein those two people were married to each other. So oh. it really smacks they of kind like of wrote it for each other. Right. Or he wrote it for her, he wrote it for himself. Yeah. Let's movie together, babe. <laughs> but so for a movie that is a vanity project, ostensibly, it doesn't make sense to me. I, I mean, outside of it being like, yeah, the late 80s and early 90s, why Billy Bob is the way he is and like what he's doing at any point. Because so, okay. I'm going to draw out because the take that I have here is that what I see is a lot of early talent flashing. And sometimes this movie really hits the peaks. Like there's a couple of rack focuses that really work and some cool push-ins, you know, and like the camera is telling us a story. Carl Franklin is directing this movie. And then sometimes, especially through a lot of the second act, it's just, shot reverse shot reverse yeah. everything happens in an establisher and a lot of, like same shots in the car too like whenever they're in a car it's set up on the side there's no i get it it's a super low budget movie too though and i'm sure they were doing what they can with it and maybe 1992 was just filled with shit <laughs> maybe i do but think if there's somebody like I'm, I'm looking at billy bob's uh, like acting resume and he like this was probably like a big leading role for him because he wrote it, but then he doesn't do anything really until that small part in Tombstone and then the small part in Dead Man. And then he writes himself Sling Blade. And Sling that's Blade. what really sets his career off. That's okay. crazy. That he wasn't really anything big before Sling Blade. So let's talk a little Billy Bob here because he, he illustrates a point about this movie. And then I also kind of want to unpack him a little bit because like we said, so much of this is happening in like two shot medium mm -hmm. fucking establishers and master for I will say, a long it, time. It looks good though. Like, like the quality of the film, like it, the yeah, lighting it's well is lit. a lot of it for like a yeah. low budget film. Yeah, but yeah. You, it's a pretty good looking film. It's a lot um, of tightness. It's very tight and claustrophobic feeling. Sometimes it's not tight enough though. I, I get That's really fair. bored and I'm missing some of the tension of it. And this oh, is so like so wide shots hurt performances where it should be ramped up and we're just looking at two people standing in an alley talking to each other. I'm missing a lot of fucking tension here, man. And, and to your point, it's a very low budget movie. It's like a let's make this thing. And the uh -huh. script, I at one point I wrote, so when we get to the uh, sequence with the state trooper that ends up getting shot, which mm -hmm. I end up really liking. That's where I kind of like come back into this movie. I'm the exact same way. As soon as that happened, I'm like, oh, cool. Nice little twist there. At and first it feels like- a Bill Paxton too. Absolutely, exactly, right. That it, it starts to come together there. It's really starting to cook a little bit. But at first it feels like a double beat. And that's kind of the problem with the whole first half of this movie is it's just like, oh, too much leather, man. I, I, I don't know. And if they're trying to write themselves performance pieces, you gotta fucking shoot close-ups, dude. I don't know what else to say. I need to see actors act. And mm -hmm. so to go back around to Billy Bob, he's a dude who I've never been convinced about as an actor. And sometimes I see these flashes where I'm just like, oh yeah, I, I get why you kind of want his energy here or- You don't like his character work in Sling Blade? Uh, um, it, it, it's hard to judge a performance like that where it's like, well, I don't like Sean Penn's character work in I Am Sam. And I, you know I, what I mean? Like I, I, there's a lot of goodness in what Sean Penn does. It's just the movie itself is not great. Okay. But the, like the task of an actor, the, the hardest thing for me, I, I don't know. I, I'm too cowardly to step on uh, stage or in front of the camera at this point in my life, but playing a normal person that is a reasonable human is hard to do. You know, if you have like your secret motivation or you're waiting for the turn or 
you, you know, you've got your actor's motivation, see, whatever. That stuff helps, right? A tick helps, a prop helps, a fucking accent helps. Just being a guy is hard. And whenever Billy Bob has to be a guy, it falls so flat. There okay, are- I'm going to counteract that with a simple plan where he plays the calmest of guys. I don't love a simple plan. Really? I, yeah, I know. We should do it. I, I'm down. It's 99, I think. 98. Yeah, let's do it. Something like that. Plan. Yeah. I love it. Bill Paxton, Sam Raimi. Oh, man. Yeah, my like. It's such a great Hitchcockian uh, thriller. Or is it Fargo scraps? No, because it's not funny like Fargo. No, That's no, no, it's awesome. certainly not. It's certainly not. And I, it's been like legitimately, I mean, straight up at least 10, probably 15 years since I've seen this. Oh, plan. yeah, we should definitely add this to the list. I'll work this in there because right on. I wonder if it, it, your opinion would change because it's a of course it would. subtle movie. I'm and sure, Sam and, Raimi like crafted it. And Sam Raimi can make a fucking movie. You know, I just... So my criticism here is more about Billy Bob and the fact that he's just has never really convinced me as a performer. I, okay. I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't get it, man. I don't, I, I you don't like monsters ball. I've never seen monsters ball. I, you know what, to props to Billy Bob, bad Santa fucking rules and he's great in it. So good. <laughs> yeah. So good. Yeah. That's, that's one of his best roles by far i love that movie to its fucking core yeah he, yeah that's that's a winner <laughs> um so uh, yeah part of the problem for me with this movie is that i i just don't don't super buy into billy bob what okay. i do love about him is his hair whoa man and when he lets it out of the ponytail <laughs> oh my god <laughs> that was uh, that moment made me insecure in a way that I I don't know if I should talk it's about just, it. it. It's like it's legit dirt ball. <laughs> it's real scuzzy. It's super scuzzy. Uh, and he's good at playing scuzzy guys. He yeah, and when he goes into the intensity and the scuzzy, that stuff's working. Like he he slaps so many people so often, so consistently through this movie that characters in the movie are just like jesus billy bob can you not slap that person so much yeah um i yeah i I think it's definitely in uh there's tons of overacting there's uh the the dialogue is not on point in a lot of scenes uh just like maybe it's the performance of the dialogue but like uh it's the wide shot shit i'm telling you it's not even the performances. It's yeah, that it, you're watching it, it in two shots. If you cut into that stuff and let a, a charismatic actor deliver that stuff in even like a like a MCU, like uh, sorry, not the Marvel Cinematic Universe, but a medium close-up. Like just yes. get them from the fucking shoulders, man. And uh-huh. we're connecting with them all of a sudden. And too, way too much of this movie happens way too far back. Like something maybe to even kind of compare it to is like uh, this is not very film noiry though, okay. uh, or neo noiry. But like for some reason it kind of had the same feel. Of, maybe it's the aesthetic of Blood Simple. Like very early on, it doesn't have all the neon signs as Blood Simple, but it's like I don't know. There's just something about it that like maybe Carl Franklin was kind of mimicking what the Coen Brothers did on Blood Simple with the darkness and car scenes and you know and uh, i love well honestly it just it speaks to this incestuous relationship between like billy bob and Raimi and the cohen's it it just is this like melu of a i i (laughs) i feel like the best performance in their movie uh, yeah Uh, uh, a man of nowhere yeah that's what it was great movie yeah i i i if I could travel back in time and like be invisible, that's one of the places that I would want to visit is that house in Silver Lake in the like early eighties, you know, when that's all coming together, that would just living amazing. together. Yeah. Oh and like Kathy Bates is there. And, uh, and like the, oh, it's so cool to me. Like, 
because Sam Raimi got to make Evil Dead first, and then the Coen brothers uh, got to make Blood Simple. And so if on the Criterion special features, which I was watching last night, I just didn't watch the movie because uh, I'm waiting for my roommate. But uh, uh, they break down like a, an hour and 10 minutes of the movie and actually like draw on the screen and like show you what they did. And Barry Sonnenfeld's just like, oh man such unmotivated lighting fucking this is crazy that we even did this where's this light coming from what the <laughs> fuck <laughs> and they're just and like tons of unmotivated camera movements but they're like you know that's we we're watching movies at that time that were kind of taken from that and then they get to certain shots and like yeah we directly stole this from sam uh because he did it in evil dead like there's a shot in blood simple where dan hedaya has like pulled uh francis mcdormand out of the house of john getz and is like holding her in the front yard and they do this like crazy push yeah that's right like that like dolly it's not even a dolly it's literally a piece of plywood and two guys on the end of it and they're just running at it so fast and that's what sam raimi did for evil dead with those shots through the forest yeah that's why it feels so like it's not a steady cam it's not a dolly it just has this they called it the shaky camp <laughs> yeah no that it's fucking intense speaking of uh visual reference i was 100 percent expecting uh fantasia i guess to get yeah. shot by that plane when she gets off the bus <laughs> nope she gets shot later on oh man and she like her her actually death, dig, i dig on this movie's ending the ending is solid the ending is solid. strong yeah, I kind of wish, I, I do wish that uh, our, not our hero, but like the cop goes down. I wish it was, a, I was thinking about this actually with Wrath of Man also, where like, I, I don't know how to quite end it satisfyingly, but I would like that movie a little bit better if Jason Statham actually dies at the shootout in the depot, you know? That, I guess, yeah. For those like five minutes where I'm like, oh shit, Statham's dead. What are we doing now? What, you know, that's really an exciting part of that movie. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. But I think the ending of leaving Bill Paxton, uh, maybe he dies a little later on, but they're giving us that moment with the boy. And I just, I thought that honestly worked really well. Uh, Matt, maybe it's because I really like Bill Paxton. And even though he has a lot of scenes in this where I'm just like, oh, Bill. <laughs> oh, Bill. I'm circling back to the direction because he that's it was that one that cued me into it. There's a point, yeah, I don't remember where it is. It's somewhere in the car where Bill's having a conversation. I was just like, it's so overwritten. And oh, he can, I, for me, it's him uh pulling up alongside the detectives and yelling at them from the other side of the road, and then he just barely misses the truck and he's just got a smile on his face. I'm like, why is this in here? Yeah, you that's know? fine. He's He's swashbuckling. He's wild, you know. He's, he's swashbuckling. Yeah, he's, this he's, is not a swashbuckling movie. And, well, but it's also not pulling off the like sweaty southern sheriff thing either. It just is so kind of. The only of, one that's doing that is Billy Bob Thornton, who constantly looks sweaty. <laughs> but he also constantly looks like a middle school music teacher, you know. <laughs> You know it's true. Especially with the the ponytail. Yeah, I totally see it. That dude plays clarinet at the (laughs) hottest jazz club in Omaha. Oh, that's super funny. That's great. Can we, Uh, speaking of musical performances, can we talk about like the harmonica smash zoom stuff that occupies a lot of the third act of this movie? Yeah. Uh, This is bonkers, dude. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm curious what they were actually like really, what Carl Franklin was pulling from with his directing of this movie. Like he has like four other movies before this, none of them I've ever heard of. And then maybe this one, he was just like, oh, this is like a gritty movie. Let's make it uh, pulpy. It's definitely pulpy and it's fairly successful as a pulp movie although the first half of the second act fucking drags yeah you know what the, the, this feels like a pulp novel like this feels sure like yeah. it could have been pulled from one of those 10 cent 
fucking dime store novel things. Yeah. Yeah. But I totally agree. The middle of this movie does not work by any means. It's really boring. Uh, pretty much when those detectives come into the town, like I'm, I'm with it for a little bit and then I just don't care. I'm just bring in, bring them together quicker. Like I get it. They're traveling from Los Angeles, Los Angeles to Arkansas, but fuck me. We don't need their, (laughs) we don't need their whole journey and all the little shit that they get into on their road trip. I don't mind that. I actually kind of, like I said, I like the second half of this movie more than even I like the first half of this movie. If you can basically jump from like, oh shit, this robbery has gone wrong and then we're straight on the fucking road, but there's like 20 minutes. That robbery is totally fine. That's great. In the moment after her questioning like him, like we killed those, you killed those people. Great stuff. But once they get on the road for me, it just kind of dragged and up to the moment of them, uh, like the convenience store scene was really good with the cop in there. And I was like, Okay, that's where you kind of draw back in a little bit. Yeah, but that's maybe that is like 30 minutes. That, it, that's it, the, it, that's it might second. be 40, 45. It's, it really is. There, there's some tough, there's a tough 10 to 15, maybe even 20 minutes. Maybe it just jumps movie. back to Bill Paxton too much. Yeah, and yeah, if I'm doing a rewrite at I know, this point, not even a page one, Bill Paxton comes in as, and, but the problem is, is that it would rely on his persona in like, you know, 2020, or I guess like 2015, you know, rest in power. I'm doing the like, you know, kiss and peace sign chest kind of thing. Um, But it needs uh, gravitas entry as the midpoint. We don't need any of him in the first half of the movie. We're kind of like going back to Wrath of Man on the first half of the movie, we're like on, the Billy Bob and the heist and like, fuck, we got to get to, you know, uh, what is it? Houston where they're going to try and sell the drugs or whatever. And then 45 minutes in, it's like uh, fucking Schwarzenegger in, what was that called? Like nowhere to hide or some shit where he's the small town sheriff, the one, the Johnny Knoxville. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. No, uh, no way out. No. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something indiscernible. Yeah. But although that movie starts on him also, and you know, it's so does Rocky now that I'm thinking about it, where the movie starts on Brian Dennehy. But like, honestly, I think you could take out the, the uh, Bill Paxton getting to know the detectives at his house. Like, he has them over for dinner and meets the family. Like, if we introduce Bill in the beginning, essentially him bringing the detectives into the town, and we know that bill is there with the detectives and they are waiting for these group this group of people to get to town and then we can jump yeah. back to them and then when uh uh cinda williams uh leaves the guys and goes to like see her brother and her son uh and that's when we come back with bill and that's- bill then watching her and well but that's why there's so much bill business is because he's baby daddy right Yes, we don't need that lose that but then i guess we need a reason for cinda to turn it Uh gets really sweaty really plotty yeah yeah Yeah, i think we need to strip some of this shit out of here and just kind of streamline it and make it a burt reynolds movie instead you know (laughs) this thing should just be gator Uh, i I will say it's a good cocaine movie there's like lots of people doing cocaine the acting is pretty cocainey. People are generally fair. Billy Bob is just like constantly having a sheen, you know? And so, yeah, that's, I, I don't know. A lot of movies, even movies that are ostensibly about drugs, get drugs wrong. And this one seems to get drugs pretty right. Like when, before they go uh, try and rob the guy for eight bucks, one of the dudes in the house does a line and like so many movies, whatever. Yeah, it, it, it does well. Um, I also am surprised that we've gotten this far into the record and have not mentioned that Bill Paxton's name is Hurricane. Dale Hurricane Dixon. He's called Hurricane. Yeah, the original title for the movie was Hurricane. Better title. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, because it's a fucking flurry of shit that just happens. 
there's it's just like a bunch of shit like yeah you know what it totally is you get that opening fucking scene with the robbery and it's a bunch of shit that happens and yeah. they murder these people and then they get on a road trip and a bunch of shit happens and then when you get to the third act there's this whole past history that you learn about and a bunch <laughs> of shit happens a bunch of shit happens <laughs> that's what it should have been called I, that's kind of what every movie should have been called is like yeah a bunch of shit happens a bunch of shit happens yeah first this one thing happens and then a bunch of shit happens and then some <laughs> other stuff goes down and then a bunch of shit happens and then some more shit happens <laughs> and uh the names that fucking like billy bob has the most normal name ray malcolm ray. but michael beach is pluto and cinda is fantasia and then you get a guy named Dud, and you get a guy named McFeely. But and then they're also like mostly calling her Lila in the movie. So when you look at the That's cast listing, name. you're like, wait, what is? Who's the fucking? Also, Michael Beach, hands down, best performance in the movie. Absolutely, kill. I'll get Michael Beach. He kills yeah. it. Yeah, every scene. Yep, and he's he's very calm. Like a, a lot <laughs> of him just like sitting there, like listening to everyone talk. Yeah, great stuff. Yeah. Yeah, he's um, like eponymous. What's the word I'm looking for? Quintessential example of one episode of every TV show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's. I bet his uh, filmography is massive. His IMDb's got to be plus two hundred. Oh, I'm looking at it right now. Are you ready? Two forty nine. One fifty nine. What? That's not possible. But like you're so right. It's just like one episode. Of, oh my! Look, God, here this- I'm gonna name five random shows, and I guarantee you he's on like at least three of them. Okay, are you ready for this game? And then we'll you, know, you, you can go back. You can go back to uh, <laughs> like early '90s. Okay, I saw one like way earlier that I can't pull the name out of, but it was like uh, doesn't matter. Okay. But he was definitely on like a CSI and a fucking Bones. And um, let me go later then. Let's okay. see. Uh, an, okay, but he was on an ER. Yes, he's and, on. He's on like five episodes of ER. Yeah, 19, he's on nineteen ERs. This seems like one episode, three episode arc season arc kind of guy like comes in to be the new director at the i don't know the shield or okay i'm bored of this game already i asked the questions dylan and you are he's in a csi yeah but it's a tv movie is he in an ncis yes (laughs) yeah of course he is yeah is he in any (laughs) other acronym shows yeah i bet let's see uh he was on is he in nypd blue i think i thought i saw um is he in any shows that have the word blue or law in their title because uh, walker texas ranger (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) fucking quantum leap that's probably like yeah Uh, yeah so many fucking shows that's great though keep working all right, are you ready to answer some trivia questions? I'm ready. We are going to play Billy Bob, Bill Paxton, or both in honor of the fact that both were in this film. Yes. Well, are... we can name one. A okay. Simple... All right, we'll take it off the list. <laughs> okay, but can you name another one that is... Uh, so, is it Billy Bob, Bill Paxton, or both in Tombstone? Both. Both! Yes. Okay. How about a movie called Parkland? Parkland is just Billy Bob. It's both. Bill's in Parkland? Yep. Have you Am seen... I thinking of the right Parkland? The, the JFK? Yeah. Uh, oh, I don't About the Dallas Bill. shooting. Yeah, I don't remember Bill in it at all. Yeah, that's oh the God. one. I'm okay. all of these answers have been sourced from the IMDB collaboration source uh, search. So if you have a problem with it, uh, send an angry letter to the internet. They're definitely going to help you. Okay. Okay. Have you ever heard of a movie called The Dark Backward? The Dark Backward? No. Mm-hmm. 
1991. I don't think Bill Paxton's in Parkland. Really? I swear I'm on his page. Uh, uh, I had to look that up. I'm like, I don't think he's in that movie. What year was that? 2013, I think. Yeah, no, I don't. Nope. Nope. Uh, nope. Calling it out. Boom. Okay, but I, I that's all I was looking for. I wasn't really looking at anything else. So this game is broken. But yep, you failed. All right, let's move on to the other game. Uh, Because the point of this game is that they were all in, uh, that Billy Bob and Bill Paxton were in both of these, both were in all of these movies. Uh, What was the other one? Red Wings? Another movie I have not seen, had never heard of. Interesting. Okay, this game is called One Movie to Rule Them All because uh, this movie has the word one in the title. So I'm going to vaguely describe for you another movie that has the word one in the title and you're going to give me that movie. Okay, but pivotal distinction, it is the word one, O-N-E, not the number one. Okay, O-N-E. Yep. Oh, okay, quick thing. This is why you thought Bill Paxton was in Parkland. He produced it. IMDb collab search. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Okay, how about the Spielberg movie about virtual reality? Ready Player One. How about the Jack Nicholson movie uh, that was the adaptation of the Ken Kesey book? One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Okay, what about the Capra classic about a thing that occurred in the evening? Uh. One night it happened. <laughs> so close. <laughs> uh, I know. I'm just, I it, dude. Uh, it's. Uh... <laughs> I'm going to give you one credit for one night it happened. <laughs> From henceforth, if I can remember this, that's how I will refer to that film. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! Uh... No, I just keep thinking. Uh... <laughs> What it happened? Nobody tell him. Nobody it, tell oh, him. Oh, 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 change the words around for me. It happened one night. Yeah, there it is. That's funny. Okay. <laughs> what if Harrison Ford told you to get off my plane? Air Force One. Uh, what about one of the creepy Robin Williams movies? Oh, one hour photo. There it is. Okay, we got Clooney. We got Pfeiffer. We got like a R&B classic song for the title. Wait, give that description again. George Clooney, Michelle Pfeiffer. There's like a precocious child, I think, is part of this, maybe. Um, one fine day. There it is. Yes. Yeah, nice that. Okay, how about uh, the vampire movie, early uh, Hoyta von Hoytema lens? entry vampire movie Mm -hmm. it's about kids it's a foreign film it's a a, oh oh let the right one in there it is okay how about the terrible terrible comedy from harold ramus with michael Sarah and jack black they're like caveman or some bullshit god did you that's movie's so I only saw it one time with my buddy who actually rewatched it, not like during the pandemic. And he was like, it's actually funnier than it was the first time. There's a lot of like jokes I picked up on more, but it's not a like great movie. Fair enough. Yeah. I remember it just being like bitty and none of the bits working. Yeah, definitely. Okay. How about the only Star Wars story that fits this category? Rogue One. There it is. Rogue One. Okay, how about, speaking of Star Wars, uh, one of Mark Hamill's only non-Star Wars roles, but it is a war movie. Ooh, that's hard. Do I know this one? Maybe, and it's, 
uh, in some circles, it's like super popular. And a lot of people have just been, you know, never yeah. heard of it. 1980. Ooh, I don't know if I'm going to know this one. It's based on the insignia of like a military uniform. No. It's called the Big Red One. Nope. Yeah. Never even uh, heard of it. Yeah, there's who? Uh, I'll have to look uh, it up. Big yeah, red give it a look over. Um, and in the meantime, we'll circle back to Carl Franklin, who directed another movie with the word one in its title. And uh, we were actually talking about Streep earlier. And we've covered Tom Everett Scott on this podcast. Mm-hmm. He was partnered with Zellweger, Streep uh-huh. with William Hurt. Do you know this movie? And it's Carl Franklin? Yeah. No. Uh, I mean, he doesn't have that many movies. I should be able to fucking dissect this. <laughs> you have all of Carl Franklin's filmography locked away? Well, I mean, like he did Out of Sight. He did Devil Rest. <laughs> what? I'm just cackling maniacally at the thought of the movie Out of Sight. Out of sight. That's a fun. That's a fun bad movie. That is a bonkers piece of cinema. Yes. That's why I love it. Yeah. Uh, man. Um, I this is I... another one that has like one of those like I, song title kind of Nancy Myers generic made in a high crimes. No, it had. But remember, it's one movie to rule that you know it's got the one in there oh, and it's meryl streep yeah it's tom everett scott yeah oh my God. it's um you uh, can see the poster one they're all sitting thing. there it is one thing. yeah yes yeah 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 uh vernell zellweger hates her mom she can't she's really close with her dad comes home and realizes her mom's dying and therefore they kind of start forging a better friendship as she's dying i absolutely remember that movie it's like right up there <laughs> wow <laughs> what a collection you've uh, <laughs> accrued one true thing one true thing if there's one true thing it is that that movie exists uh and what's crazy uh the big red one that mark hamill one that's right uh, lee marvin that's right that was the name i couldn't paint your wagon Yep. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, how about Jet Li in the multiverse? Isn't it called The One? Simply The One. Yep, I remember that. Uh, Regina King in her feature film directorial debut? One Night in Miami. That's The One. Yes. And lastly, Tom Hanks as an accidental spy... The one red shoe or something like that. It is something like that. Oh yeah, what the fuck is that movie? <laughs> I remember that. Oh my god, what is it called? The the one last red shoe. What the fuck is it? <laughs> I know right. it's, it's the one last red shoe. It's about the last red shoe on the planet and the global struggle to control a singular red shoe, not even a pair of shoes. <laughs> what the what's it is that what it's called what's it called <laughs> fuck it's it's bothering me am i that's the right one though right yeah yeah it's definitely it's the right that. one it's just i'm delighting and you're suffering i'm sorry the, one, the last red shoe i swear to god that's what it's called the one red shoe the the last the last pair of red shoes the the one red shoe the uh the guy with a red shoe uh one last red shoe suffocating with laughter you're so close it's the man with the red shoe i said the guy with the last (laughs) it's the man with the red shoe the one red shoe what is it What a fucking dumb title. The Man with One Red Shoe. That's what it's called. Boom. (laughs) Yes, that is what it's called. 
The man with one red shoe. You said so many combinations of those words. I just can't even uh, <laughs> breathe. That was a fucking delight. Thanks, man. Oh, no worries. The guy with one red shoe. <laughs> the last, <laughs> the one last red shoe. <laughs> the, the one last red shoe. You have anything else that you want to say about <laughs> whatever this movie is called? One false move, the one move that couldn't possibly be true. Mm, yeah, because everyone makes a lot of false moves. Uh, no, I'm done with that movie. I'm glad I watched it and never see it, need to see it again. Like, there's definitely worse movies than One False Move. I, I'll say that right away. It's not like the hardest of a watch, but it just lags in the middle of the movie. That's it. But, chop 15 minutes out of this bad boy and we're really cooking. Yeah, uh, but still, not, not a great movie. There's much better movies by Carl Franklin, Billy Bob, and that whole cast probably. Although Michael Beach is solid. Yeah, always great uh, and uh, real good here. That's my take on one false move is that Michael Beach is a legend. Yes. <laughs>